Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. And I just realized that I have my Beats headphones on and not my actual studio headphones. Throwing me off a little bit. Can you guys tell it's been a while? Can you guys tell? There we go. This episode, we are breaking down UFC 276, headlined by two title fights. We got Israel Adesanya in the main event, defending his middleweight title against Jared Cannonier. And then in the co-main event, we have his oceanic brother, Alexander Volkanovsky, trying to defend his title once again against Max Holloway. Now, obviously, that's their third fight. Very interesting fight between those two guys. We saw 50 minutes, 10 rounds of action between them, and it seemed pretty much close the entire way. Unfortunately for Max Holloway, though, Alexander Volkanovsky is the one that has the two here, and Max Holloway has the O. So uh, we'll see if Holloway uh, can get rid of that O in this trilogy, or if it's just going to be another Volkanovsky fight. Other great fights on the card. Obviously, we got a barn burner between Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberena on the main card, not to mention a number one contender fight for the middleweight division between uh, Israel Adesanya's arch nemesis, Alex Pereira, and uh, possibly fighting for the arch nemesis status uh, is Sean Strickland as well. If you guys watched the press conference earlier today, these boys were going at it. So uh, very interesting stuff from the press conference to digest. But in terms of a breaking down uh, view, that's that's what we're going to be doing here, breaking it down stylistically, uh, technically, how these guys match up against each other. You know, not just the main card, but obviously the entire card here. So plenty to get through but good god it is nice to finally be back in this seat doing a live show for you guys not you know i enjoy obviously doing it with cody and doing it with guests but it's another thing where i'm able to actually talk to the chat you know pretty much just talk to myself as well uh and, and talking myself through a lot of these breakdowns trying to break it down for you guys give you guys insight in terms of where my head's at for most of these fights as of this moment i have no official bets in play um I'm still picking and choosing my spots. I missed out on some line movement on a couple fights. Other fights, line movement is going towards the way that I'd like, so I could probably get a better price on certain spots. You guys will obviously find that out as I get through uh, the card. But as I always like to do before I do anything is do the last event recap. Now, I've missed a couple events now, obviously, uh, since I've done the MMA Lockcast, but just to, just to save time, We'll go over uh, the last event, which was a minus 3.2 unit loss. I go one in f- one in three on bets. The first one was the first bet to pretty much head of the night was uh, Cody Durden and JP Bays to not go to the decision. I feel like I could have gone lock of the night deep on that. I went 2.4 units on minus 120, so that cash was for two units. Uh, so good start there, but then pretty much it was downhill from the rest of the way. Uh, Umer Namagamedov, Nathan Manis to not go to decision, two units on minus 200 that crashes and shits the bed uh brian kelleher not in that fight in the least bit you know i used to go from underrating brian kelleher to now seemingly overrating him so i might just have to hop off the brian kelleher train in full i'm glad for the money that he made me against domingo Pilarte. 
that that should pretty much be about it. I think I'm going to start to hop off of it. Shout out to Mario Bautista for a phenomenal performance last weekend. And then lastly, add 2.2 units on Tafon and Chukwi at minus 110 against Carlos Alberg. thought that was going to be a great matchup for him. The speed advantage of Alberg was just too much for him there. And Tafon was just not able to keep up. I thought he'd be durable enough to keep up in that first round and then come back uh, in the second and third rounds and really start to chop away at Carlos Alberg. But Tafon didn't even get the opportunity to get started so uh very you know rough run there especially with how lopsided the losses were there right and Chukwe we get not finish quickly Kelleher get not finish quickly uh the nirmaga made of manis fight you know manis did a really good job in terms of not giving up his back right pretty much he got taken down pretty much at will by nirmaga made but he made sure to you know maintain uh staying on his back essentially not giving it up because that's where Nirmaga made of uh does his best work when he's able to get on your back flatten you out get that rear naked choke going Manis did not allow for that at all but he still got beat up from top position and ends up losing a decision there again dirt and bays I, I should have been way more invested in that one but Still happy to catch that, so I'm not down, you know, 5.6 units. Uh, lucky to catch that one at least to, to get two units against the bleeding from the last event there. So, again, minus 3.2 units there. We keep the train moving along. Uh, I do want to give a couple quick shout-outs to some of the sponsors and stuff that I got. Uh, first and foremost, let's do the, the Patreon. You know, shout-out to everybody on the Patreon. Five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Uh, best bets and props article. Um, I'm doing a Kelly betting experience uh, experiment on there as well. I've kind of fallen off in terms of the extra stuff I used to do for it, especially during June, because it was probably the busiest month of my life Four weddings, two of those being mine and just not having the time to turn out the content that I'd really like to which is obvious with, you know, no MMA lawcast over the last couple of weeks too. So I appreciate everybody bearing with me uh, and, and getting back into the swing of things here. I don't have anything in the schedule upcoming that's going to really hinder me from getting back onto schedule here. So hopefully we can get back the lawcast Monday releases, maybe pre-recorded as well, uh, like the with the cool graphics and all that stuff. Um, and then with the Patreon as well, those best bets and props articles are going to start to drop earlier and earlier, and I'll get back to dropping even more content. I used to do uh prize picks as well but since they outlawed it here up in ontario i really haven't had the most um motivation to to drop those picks but i've i know there's a good amount of people that follow me that that do do prize picks so it would still be great to drop some content for them in regards to that so uh you know I, i'm not talking about an overhaul with the patreon incoming but i am expecting to get back on and doing even more content on there and not just the best bets and props article but that is what people enjoy the most so you'll always be getting that and pretty much what the best bets and props article is is going through every single uh, fight give a brief write-up of it give the best bet the best prop the best hedge as well uh, and then a live betting uh, blurb about how you should be approaching that fight from a live betting perspective should you be looking to dabble in that market. So shout out to everybody on the Patreon. Appreciate everybody in the Discord as well. That's obviously a benefit uh, as well of being on the Patreon is the, the private Discord. A lot of great guys in there. Um, yeah, couldn't be happier with with where it's at. So shout out to everybody there. Secondly, shout out to Kubet. Uh, haven't been able to promote it as much, but still very happy with everything that they've been doing for your boy. Um, you can use the promo code MMALOTN2, and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks, uh, up to 100%, that is. And uh, yeah, they're, they're solid. They're, they're, they're very good, uh, solid props. You can parlay props. That's something that you know a lot of degenerates look for as uh, a spot you can parlay props. Um, 
And sometimes they're a little bit slow with line movement. So you can take advantage of, you know, a certain spot that you like, but you may have been slow to get to. Usually Corbett is, is lagging a little bit behind in terms of updating the props. So, uh, or not the props, sorry, just their odds, period, the money line odds. So make sure you guys check out Corbett, promo code MMALOTN2. Uh, last thing I want to plug here, and then we'll get into the breakdowns, is the lock of the night and the dog of the night challenge. Uh, I still, I've fallen behind in terms of uh, updating the standings. The only thing I have left to update is the dog of the night challenge standings, which I'll be doing after this podcast here. But it is the last event for the dog of the night challenge this weekend, and it restarts on Sunday. Uh, pretty much the dog of the night challenge is you pick one underdog, you decide whether you risk one, two, or three units on it, uh, and it could be either a fighter underdog or an over-under underdog, like plus money is what I mean. You can pick props, you can't pick anything, it's over-unders or money line. that's it. For 10 events, uh, there's a $25 pool, $100 pool, one-time entry fee, and then the winner gets split. I think it's first place, 60%, second place, uh, 25%, and third place, 10%. So that's how we split it up. We usually have like 40, 50 people in it, 60 people at times. So make sure you guys check out the Dog of the Night Challenge. Solid prize uh, there as well. Uh, and, And yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of great names in there. Also, the Lock of the Night Challenge is restarting. So that actually concluded this past weekend with the Sarukin and Gamrot fight. Uh, I, I tweeted out the winners. I got to get to them as well. Um, but I've tweeted out the winners. We're going to be restarting that game on Sunday. So it doesn't include this weekend. Um, I just haven't had the opportunity to promote it the way that I want to. I need to get the numbers back up so like people are motivated to continue to play. I don't want to drop in. Then I think in the Lock of the Night Challenge, the last time around for the $25 pool, we had close to 80 people. I, I might be overshooting it there. Let me just pull it up real quick here. Uh, Lock of the Night Challenge, last edition, had uh, 58 people. Sorry, yeah, 58 people in the $25. Um, in the $100, we had... I believe close to four, 31. We had 31 there. Uh, and then also the Lock of the Night Challenge Extreme. So Lock of the Night Challenge Regular is just one single bet. No parlays. Nothing worse than minus 300. You can bet pretty much uh, money line over under or fight goes to or doesn't go to decision. That's all you can bet. And then there's the Lock of the Night Challenge Extreme, which is you can parlay whatever the fuck you want. Play whatever the hell you want. It's just no holds barred. Like how wacky it can get is... Uh, in the in the most recent Lock Night Challenge, I think the hundred dollar version, uh, one of my friends went one in twenty and he took first place because the parlay that he cashed was a plus sixty three ninety seven that he cashed a couple weeks ago. So like, there's a lot of guys throwing darts out there hoping to cash big, but then there's other guys who are like seven and fourteen that come in second, five and sixteen that come in third. So uh, a lot of different ways that you guys can play Lock Night Challenge, Lock Night Challenge Extreme, or Dog of the Night Challenge, all restarting on Sunday. Slide in my DMs on Twitter or Instagram, and I can get you guys signed up. And uh, I'm hoping that we can get you know inch closer and closer to getting 100 people into these games because uh, I know it's it's definitely going to be big. So shout out to everybody that's been taking part of that. All right, let me shut my mouth about the uh, the plugs and stuff I want to do because I'm sure there's a lot we uh, have to cover on this car 2012 fight main card. Let me just see what the uh, the live chat is saying here. My guy, Jewish better in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Both on to beat Thomas West saying, what up locks took for the fights tonight. Great to see you back on the lock cast. Yes. 
It's been too long. It just doesn't feel right when I don't do a Lockcast episode. Matthew Borden saying the same thing here. Lock back with the podcast. Congrats on the wedding and hope you're not too hungover from all the receptions. Trust me, my, my liver is hating me right now. I still got a ton of beer in my fridge that I need to finish that I can't return. So I might have to punish it a little bit more over the next couple of days, but at least it's not for a wedding reception. And at least it's not taken away from my time to hang out with you guys and drop the content that you guys love. Filthy Casual saying he's been a Patreon member for a couple months. Really appreciate that. I know he just started his own podcast as well. So make sure you guys go support your boy there. I like what he's doing. Looking forward to more consistency and uh, the continuation of it. Nephi Torres saying, I thought you got shadow blocked. Yeah, I apologize. Joshua Frick saying he missed me. I am back. Nicholas Salado, I think the better the night is. Max Volk doesn't go to decision plus 160. 75 total in the octagon without a finish. Doubtful. We shall see once we get to the main event there. It's Tristan, sure house in the chat. One of my boys. Glad to have you as well in the live chat there, my friend. SKD, happy fight week. Thursday, smoke some for some for me, brother. I will definitely be burning up after this podcast. I want to just bang this one out with you guys. My guy, Narco Cop, as well. Shout out to you as well. Killing it on the Twitter spaces as well. Make sure if you guys are on Twitter, you follow my guy, Narco Cop, and hop into his spaces. Very solid discussion that he has whenever he talks about the fights. MMA Fight Club in the chat. Remind you guys, slam that like. Appreciate the love. Nick Sisson. Saying all y'all hit that like button, pay attention to this man, let's make some money. Appreciate the love, my friend. Nick Nick Simpkins saying maybe the longest intro ever. I know, I apologize. There's a lot of shit I need to talk about before we got into the fights. I apologize. Nick Sisson reminding you guys, 42 of you guys watching and only 11 likes. Let's fix that a little bit. That's the least I ask. Is hit that like, let's try to get into the algorithm. You know that shit that people like to talk about. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into these fucking fights. First and foremost... Women's MMA. You guys know I love me some women's MMA, so we're going to kick the card off with Jessica Rose Clark going up against Yulia Stoliarenko. Minus 150 for Clark, plus 130 for Stoliarenko. And I, you know, I know Stoliarenko is not the greatest fighter, but I just feel compelled in certain spots, especially when I feel like fights are going to eventually be in the grappling realm, to give her a shot, especially if she's a big underdog or an underdog at all. She's plus 130 here. Money is starting to come in on her. I saw her closer to plus 150, plus 160 earlier in the week. I uh, wish I got in on that, but I likely take a shot on her money line here, as well as a submission prop at plus 350. You know, Clark armbarred last time around. I like to call Yulia Stoliarenko the Lithuanian Ronda Rousey. Uh, eight out of her nine wins, all coming via submission, all coming via armbar. Shout out to my guy, Cody Saftik, from earlier today, though. You know, just putting things into perspective that like obviously it's not against the greatest level of competition but Jessica Rose Clark right like she she's a solid all-around fighter but she does get sloppy in certain spots she cannot get sloppy in the in the grappling here especially if she looks to go that way right historically speaking she's a grappler she wants to take her opponents to the ground and grind them through the mat that's where she has her most success but she's going to be dealing with a lot of offense from her back uh, sorry, from uh, Stoliarenko's back, and she'll be throwing up submissions. She'll be trying to get the armbar going. She'll be ma- looking to make this a rough fight, and I just don't think that Clark can survive during a rough fight. Sure, she can look great against girls like Sarah Alpar, who don't have much to offer other than a solid wrestling game, 
but she beat her up on the feet. She made her look nasty. And I think from that fight, a lot of people are just making Clark out to be this crazy good fighter. Not crazy good, but like a, a better fighter than she actually is. And I think we need to temper it a little bit and, and bring it back into realization. And I'm glad that Stephanie Yeager last time reminded people. And I had Stephanie Yeager as my dog of the night play that night as a plus 170 dog. I think I'm going to go back to the well here with the uh, submission specialist against Clark, who I think can just be a little bit too sloppy on top. I'm going to bank on another Stolyarenko uh, armbar victory. Like I said, I'm going to hit some money line. I'm going to hit some uh, submission prop here, plus 350. I think that's a steal. That's, you know, a large majority of Stoliarenko's win condition, in my opinion, is her to win via submission. So I think that should be closer to plus 200. Bookies are giving us plus 350, plus 400. I'll take that. So give me Stoliarenko to kick off the night with the with an upset. And uh, yeah, catch a, hopefully a dog of the night ticket there on Yulia Stoliarenko. All right, let's move on to the next fight we are looking at. Uh, where's it gone? There we go. Another women's MMA fight. Jessica I coming in at plus 240, going up against Macy Barber, coming in at minus 285. You know, it's been a rough run for the minus 200 or higher women's MMA favorites over the last five events. I went back and looked at it. Uh, they're one and three in the last five events. The one was Valentina Shevchenko, and that was a nail biter and a half. Uh, the losses were Jasmine Jazdovicious. Um, Gloria De Paula, and uh, there was one more that's slipping my my, my Oh yeah, Jinyu Fry, right? All these heavy women's MMA favorites going out there and just getting beaten, close decisions, getting beaten pillar to post like Silva was doing against Jazdovicious. But here, like I, I expect Barber to win, but I just can't be confident enough in terms of playing the minus two eighty five. I think a lot of this line is based on the public perception of Jessica. I. Right. A lot of people are think she's a dumbass. A lot of people don't think she's that good of a fighter. But in realist, like realistically speaking, I think she can make fights competitive. Like she had a good case for winning the Jennifer Maya fight, which was her last one. Sure, she got outpointed by uh Joanne Kalua the fight before that. Um, I believe she got her head kicked off the fight before that against Valentina Shevchenko. Let me just pull this up to ensure that. Uh, sorry, she lost to Cynthia Calvillo fight. Uh, that was a five round Aurora Calvillo's grappling, uh, took, took over. Uh, and then the fight before that was when she beat, uh, Viviane Rujo. That was an eye opener for a lot of people, right? Excuse me. Jessica, I was a plus 170 dog that night. So don't count out the ability for I to make this fight close. Like if it turns out to be a 15 minute kickboxing fight, I's going to be there. You know, Barber... She's not really panning out to be what a lot of people expected her to be when she first came into the UFC. And this fight could play out close. Like, I don't feel comfortable at all playing Barber. What I do like is the uh, fight goes to decision. That's where I'm going to be leaning here. Minus 250, it's a better price tag than playing Macy Barber. I'm not big on Macy Barber finishing Jessica I here. I could see it playing out similar to the Montana De La Rosa fight where she's found comfort in just bullying women up against the cage. That's where I think uh, most of Barber's success will come here. Sure, she can beat her in a kickboxing fight too, but that would just make it way, way too close um, of a fight. So yeah, I'll go Barber, not paying that money line. I don't hate anybody for uh, taking the shot on I here. 
Not a bad bet, in my opinion, if we're talking value-wise. But Barbara should win this fight. She should outgrind it, and she should win it via decision. What's her decision line? Let me take a look at that. Uh, Barber by decision minus 115. So pretty much even money. I'm seeing minus 135 at certain spots, but yeah, that seems accurate. Now I'll say this for anybody that wants to, uh, hop in the live chat at any time and, uh, ask questions, please keep the questions focused on the matchup that I'm talking about. Once I finish my breakdown, I'll get to those questions. If anybody has any, all right, now let us move on to the next fight before I, uh, let me just take my, uh, Wet my whistle real quick. Shout out to UPS. <clears throat> my first ever job, 15 years old, working at UPS, lugging packages around and busting my lower back. 16 years old, having a back like a 65-year-old. <laughs> Fuck. Best thing they ever gave me was that UPS thing and paying for my, uh, or helping pay for my student loan or uh, subsidizing it a little bit. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Another big chalk fight. We got Andre Muniz coming in at minus 320 plus 265, the return on Uriah Hall. Now, when I saw this line, I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, like, what? why is the line this big? I get it. A lot of people aren't really high on Uriah Hall nowadays, but never been submitted. You know, has shown great grappling defense. Uh, survived with ACJ for 10 and a half minutes of uh, ACJ's control time and not got submitted. Didn't get into, you know, super, like, got his back taken, but he was defending well. He had wrist control on one side, and he was pummeling the face of ACJ with his other hand. Muiz isn't really anything super special, right? Like he goes out there and he gets three straight submission victories, but that happens in guys' careers, right? They'll go in spurts where they'll get like uh, consecutive finishes and then it showcases in the odds for their next fight. Andre Fialo. You guys remember Andre Fialo? The talk of the town amongst the masses, the favorite over a UFC veteran in Jake Matthews. Gets a couple finishes, and now he's the, the favorite, like I said. Same thing happening here with Muniz, right? I I think this is a little bit more on a on a on a bigger scale. And I would agree that Matthews is a little bit more trustworthy than Uriah Hall. But he, this line is outrageous. What if Muniz doesn't sub him in the first round? Is he gonna backpack him? Is he gonna be able to sub him later? His cardio didn't look the greatest in, in the Antonio Hoyo fight. That's the only UFC fight we've seen him go three three rounds. So I'm not I'm not getting the the love of Muniz, especially at this line here. I think I'm gonna at least take a, a unit shot on Uriah Hall. I might even sprinkle a little bit of the KO prop. You know, I think that's gonna be worth a stab here. Maybe round three. I see my guy Chris Grieve in the chat saying, why bother with the prop when he's plus 215 higher? Phil Sire is the one who obviously saying, looking at round props. But yeah, I I, I got to lean Hall here, right? Hashtag value boys. <laughs> like I, I, I got to take a shot on Hall here. I, I, this line is just too crazy to me. Like if it ends up cashing and I'm stuck looking like an idiot for passing on it, I, I, I don't want to pass that. So I would take my shot here on Uriah Hall. I think he survives the early onslaught from Muniz. Maybe even knocks him out early. It's absolutely a possibility he knocks him out early. 
So, yeah, I'm going Hall. I'm going Hall by KO. He might be old. He might not be showing the best of himself. But Muniz is not anything crazy. He's a good submission artist. So was ACJ. Couldn't get him out of there. I trust in Hall's submission defense enough to take a shot on him at a plus 265 here. If I lose, I lose. We'll see. Uh, Nick Simpkins saying thoughts on Hall by decision at plus 1,000. It's possible. Like, what What won him the ACJ fight? Damage, right? Give up 10 and a half minutes of control time, but he was the one dishing out more of the damage that fight. It's possible. I personally see him put Muniz out, though. Like, I think Muniz will get super sloppy in the third round here, and he might eat a flag knee or some shit. Like, I... I think the decision is not a bad look at plus 1,000 because it's plus 1,000, but I'm more so leaning the KO here for Hall. I think Hall puts his lights out. Chris Grieve asking if we talked about uh, Gary Green. No, we are at the bottom of the card. I believe this is the third fight, so we're getting there very close. Filthy Casual saying if it stays standing, you are a Hall all day. Yeah, that, I think that's a no-brainer. If he can snap that jab the way he was against ACJ, he's going to bust up Mooney's and he's going to follow it up with a, with a, an eventual finish as well, I believe. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. The toughest fight on the card for me to call, honestly. Drakus Duplessis at minus 145. Brad Tavares plus 125. Scratching my head about this one, man. Like, I feel like I've been going back and forth a little bit about it over the last couple of days. I said it in my my Discord, uh, my Patreon Discord as well, though. Like I said, I would rather lean the guy that has more tools of winning a fight than the guy that relies on strictly the KO, right? I really think that Kavaris has more ways of winning this fight than Dracus does. Drickus, whatever it is. Funnily enough, Duplessis is the one who has a better strike rate, but then again, he only has two fights worth of data here, so he can't really, you know, put it side by side here. Like 3.18 significant strikes landed per 15 minutes for Brad Tavares, 5.07 for Duplessis. Like it doesn't seem like he he is the type of guy that throws 5.07 strikes per second that, or per minute. That's not his style. He likes to wait for his opportunities and throw big shots and potentially knock you out. Brad Tavares, he'll chip away at you. He'll throw combinations. He'll stay consistent. He'll give you the same pace from minute one to minute 15. But again, Cody brought up a great a great point earlier today when we're doing our prop new up show. Brad Tavares is outstriking the Omari Akhmedovs, the Antonio Carlos Juniors. You know, Christoph Jotko, primary striker, so I didn't really agree that Cody was saying that Jotko's not a striker. He is a striker. He out he outworked him, you know, through 22 more significant strikes and then eventually knocked him out in the third round. But Talis Latis, Elias Theodoru, Kayo Magaliesh, uh, Nate Marquard, and then I guess Lorenz Larkin back in January 2014. That's another striker that he beat. But primarily since 20, like mid-2014, when he's fighting non-strikers, he's beating them. He's doing what he does best. But when he fights strikers, that's where he gets, where he loses, where he gets knocked out. Again, with the exception of the Christoph Jotko fight. Israel Adesanya, 
put a clinic on him, right? Outstruck him by nearly 80 significant strikes. Edwin Shabazim knocks him out in two and a half minutes back at uh, UFC 244. Excuse me. Robert Whitaker knocks him out. Tim Boat knocks him out. Yuval Romero. Weird fight. Wins that fight by decision. So I almost feel like I'm talking myself into the Duplessis side here, but I just don't know if I can pull the trigger. Definitely not at minus 145. Like if I take any shot on Duplessis here, it would likely be by KO. And that's currently sitting around, I see plus 165, plus 185. I might be making a switch on this one, honestly. It, it, it makes it makes sense to me. Again, I'm trying to give reasons for uh, for Tavares, and the, the reasons are outpointing, outworking, outvoluming Duplessis. But at a certain point, at many points throughout this fight, though, Duplessis is going to land a big shot, and it's going to hurt Tavares. So I don't feel, I don't feel right betting Duplessis at minus one forty five. Like I said, I'll probably, if I bet it at all, I'll probably take him by KO. Again, and that's something that you have to be fine with throughout fight week, especially when you're somebody in my position, right? Being fluid with predictions and being fluid with new information and looking at it even deeper than you know Tavares is a, is the Legit striker, good combination, good output. Duplessis is a knockout puncher, but he needs that that target to hit. So I'm going to go with Tavares because he has more more paths. But when you look at his histor- historically, for some reason, I initially thought that Tavares was a you know quite a durable guy, never really gotten finished. But then as you look at it, as he fights strikers, guys with power, he falls short. So can't believe I'm doing it, but I, I think I am going to switch now. I think I'm going to end up on the Duplessis side here. I do think uh, his speed will eventually catch up to Tavares. I think he'll land a big strike. I think he'll put him down, and I think he'll put him out. So there you guys go. Uh, a flip for me during fight week. Duplessis by knockout. Filthy casual saying, come to the Duplessis dark side. Nick Simpkins saying small lean Duplessis, but fight doesn't go to decision at minus 122 is so much stronger. Here's the thing, though, with Duplessis. Like, how much how much of that equity is based on... Wow, did you guys see that? That is a big fucking fly or something that just came into my room. That was weird. Got to watch out for that shit. But uh, a lot of the win condition in terms of a finish comes from the Duplessis side. Like Tavares is not that big of a finisher. And on the flip side for Duplessis, he's quite durable, right? Like it's, he has two losses on his record. I believe, yeah, one was to Soldich when Soldich knocked him out round three. Soldich, mind you, much better than Brad Tavares, in my opinion. Uh, and then he got guillotine choked earlier in his career by Gareth McClendon. Are we expecting a submission of any sort from Brad Tavares? Does Brad Tavares even have a submission win to his name? Let me uh, quickly look that up here. Two submission wins out of 19. When was the last one? When was the last submission win for Brad Tavares? Oh, look, they were... 
two of his first four fights is where he got the submission victory against a 0-1 guy and a 1-3 guy. So I'm not expecting too many submissions coming from <laughs> from Brad Tavares here. And in terms of power, I don't know if he has the power to knock out uh, Duplessis. So I'd rather play Duplessis by knockout uh, than playing the fight doesn't go to decision at minus 122. Or even Duplessis inside the distance, whatever you think. But yeah. Mauer's saying, uh, oh, sorry, Mahler138 saying 8,200 for Tavares. Duplessis at 8,000 DK, the make or break. I think Duplessis at 8,000 is not bad because I think he delivers on a knockout. Tavares, on the other hand, like, what's his score going to look like? Significant strikes. How much is he going to be able to add up there? Like, when he's winning against grapplers, 84 significant strikes, 54 significant strikes. Like, I don't think Brad Tavares is that great of a, a DK player, honestly. Um, I'm just true saying Brad is going to school the African man. If he can stay away from the knockout power, all praise to him. Narco Cop on DDP as well. Jewish Bear saying, I love Tavares here. Better competition overall, better coach, and better fighter, and underdog odds. I see the I see the angle, but what historically is being shown to me is that Tavares falters under guys that are much better. Well, maybe not much better strikers than him, but are strikers with power. They will find that uh, on Tavares and put him out. If Shabazzian can do it, I think Duplessis can do it. Filthy casual saying you have an alien in the, in the room. That's what it seems like. Uh, Jewish better super trash competition for him, uh, in my opinion, for Duplessis. And people have a soft spot for the KOs. And I think Tavares cuts off the cage and catches Duplessis coming in. I could see Tavares getting a finish. Again, very interesting to me. I'd, I've never really seen Tavares as much of a finisher outside of obviously that Jotko fight. But again, I, I wouldn't trash Duplessis' uh, strength of schedule on the regional scene that much. Right? Jolton Lutterback, not that bad at 30 and 7. Roberto Saldich, obviously, that's probably the biggest win of his uh, career period. Yannick Bahati, that guy's not that great. I'll agree with that. Of course, the, the experience and level of competition advantage is in Brad Riddell's or Brad Tavares's favor. I'm just not super sold on it. Urban Menu, New Jersey, talking about the Volk and Max fight. We will talk about that when we get to the Coleman event. I apologize, my friend. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. We are looking at Ian Gary, minus 175, taking on Gabe Green at plus 150. A fight that I was battling back and forth a lot about as well. You know, first legit fight for Gary in terms of dealing with a guy that's going to push him to the brink, a guy that's going to give him some adversity, a guy that's going to not back down, essentially, right? And I'm not saying... Guys like Jordan Williams or Darion Weeks essentially back down against uh, Ian Gary, but Gabe Green is the is the like the guy that's most fighter, if that makes sense, is the most willing to scrap out of all, all the guys that Ian Gary's faced in the UFC thus far. You know, big somewhat comeback victory over Johan Lainess, obviously knocks him out in the second round. There, dealing with a bunch of calf kicks from Phil Roll, you know surviving through that and then coming back and uh 
and, and winning that via decision gets outstruck by Daniel Rodriguez on on short notice uh, in his UFC debut. He can come forward and he can make this a very scrappy fight that I'm not sure Ian Gary is completely ready for. With that said, I think the cleaner fighter is Ian Gary. I think the crisper fighter or striker, I should say, is Ian Gary. And I do think he's going to make a green pay every time he crashes forward and tries to, you know, let his combinations go. He's one of those guys with a wide winging hook style. Um, he does very well in the pocket, but I think he's going to falter under the, uh, the better striking and the better technical striking of Ian Gary in the spot. Uh, not to mention, what is that? A five inch height advantage for Ian Gary, a one inch reach advantage, but I think it's going to be much more pronounced based on the height advantage that Gary has. Green is going to make it tight. Green is going to make it rough for Gary, but I think that Gary pushes through, could maybe find the finish, but I think he outpoints him and wins this fight by decision. It's going to be a scrap. It's not going to look minus 175 for Gary, in my opinion. I think this is going to end up looking closer to like minus 120, minus 130-ish type of thing for Gary, but I think he ends up prevailing and he wins this fight. Uh, Zero Bob saying, I might take a shot on green. I'm not banging on anybody too hard for taking the shot on green. Again, he's going to test Gary. Personally, I'm not touching this fight at all. Like, I don't want any part of it from uh, any side. But uh, I lean on the uh, the Gary side here. Daz Fowl saying, Ian probably improves somewhat. That was debut. I agree. MPTV saying Ian is long and uses a jab well. Green can win by sub, though. Possibly. Urban Man in New Jersey saying, uh, I notice if high profile fights. I'll, we'll talk about that when we get up there. Danny Lopez saying Green is such a dog. I agree. Like I said, he's going to push this one. He's going to make it very difficult for Ian Gary, in my opinion. MPTV Green by sub is a sexy prop. I think Gary's grappling is not that bad. I think he'll be able to hold up here against uh, Gabe Green, honestly. Uh, MMA Locker Room in the chat saying, I can't watch Lachlan Ivers since he trimmed the big beard. It's not the same. It's not that bad. I had to shape it up a little bit for the wedding at the beginning of June, but I'm going to grow it back a little bit a little bit more. Now he's calling me medium beard. I appreciate the love, my friend. Appreciate you stopping by. All right. Let us move on to the next fight here. We got a couple of oldies going at it. We got uh, Jim Miller, minus 195, taking on Donald Cerrone at plus 165. And this was another line that kind of surprised me, but I just don't know if I can end up pulling the trigger here on, on Cowboy Cerrone. There's so many other dogs that I'm falling in love with. Um, but what I find interesting is that Cowboy Cerrone was the minus 170, minus 180 favorite against Joe Loza, right? who is not that far removed from Jim Miller, right? They are guys that get their best work done early in fights. That's where they have their best success, is getting guys out of there early, Jim Miller and Joe Lozon. Yeah, Cowboy Cerrone was a minus-170 favorite against Joe Lozon. Now it could be because that Jim Miller has been more active. He's getting finishes. You know, he has a couple wins over the last couple fights, whereas Cerrone is on a five- to six-fight losing streak. I believe it's five-fight losing streak. Six, if you want to include the, the Nico Price fight. I believe that was a draw, actually, uh, which is now a no contest. But 
sure, it doesn't look good on the Sony side. But what I've been comparing this to is Karolina Kavakovic against Felice Herrig a couple weeks ago, where Kavakovic on a rough run, I think four, maybe five fight losing streak as well. And she's coming back and trying to get that W. And people just kept looking at those red, 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 those LLLs, right, on on, on Donald Cerrone. Taking into, or sorry, on, uh, on, on, on Kovakovic, but not taking into consideration the matchup that they had in front of them. Sure, we got to look at trends every now and then, but Cerrone is the better fighter here than Jim Miller. He has more tools. The obvious knock on him is that he's a slow starter. Jim Miller, quick starter. So obviously it's live that Jim Miller can go out there and finish him in that first round. But if he doesn't, how does this fight look? Sure, you can take the approach of betting Donald Cerrone live going into round two. You might still be able to get plus money. But what if Cerrone gets started a little bit earlier than he normally does and Cerrone ends up being the minus 150 favorite going into round two? Miller can crack, don't get me wrong, but he's beaten up on schmucks as of late. Short notice replacements, guys that you know really can't hang. Like, what would Cerrone do to Eric Gonzalez? What would Cerrone do to Nicholas Mota, right? Sure, people want to rag on him for the Alex Morono loss. Morono is a fucking dog that will go in there and just throw a haymakers and just hope that one of them knocks you out. That was a good matchup for him to go out there and get Cerrone out of there. But here against Miller, man, I think that this is a great stylistic matchup for Cerrone to do what Cerrone does, to get back on that winning track. I just can't get over how he eats those shots, though, right? Like a lot of them, it looks like he's flinching a lot more now. Miller will likely wade through it and try to try to get to him nice and early here. But if he doesn't, I think this starts to turn into a Cerrone fight. So I think the line is whack. I think this should be closer to it. Sure, make Jim Miller a slight favorite because he's been more active and winning more often and has the likely path of winning this fight early. Make him a minus 130 favorite. Minus 195 is whack, though. That is way too wide. I'm going to go Cerrone. I think he survives the early onslaught, and then I think he takes over and either finishes or wins this fight by decision. I would look at the round three slash decision prop for Cerrone, if you can, on uh, on FanDuel. I think DraftKings might have it as well, the double chance. I think that's possible, but... Official prediction is going to be Cerrone, and Cerrone by decision. I think he outpoints Jim Miller here. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of knock on of uh, Jim Miller's uh, cardio, and obviously he doesn't do the best the later fights go. But the last time he was finished late in a fight, uh, over one and a half, like you know, on the latter half of round two by Michael Chiesa. Back in 2015, one minute left in the second round against Cowboy Cerrone, right? The other finishes that he's taken since those fights were all first-round finishes, right? Dan Hooker finishes him three minutes into that fight. Charles Oliveira finishes him a minute into their fight. So this this narrative that Jim Miller has a horrible gas tank and he'll get finished later in fights, I don't think that's true. I think he has... I don't think his gas tank is the greatest, but I don't think it's to a point where he death gases and Donald Cerrone will be able to take over and get the W there. So I'll go Cerrone, Cerrone decision, but something is just keeping me back from actually pulling the trigger here. Tristan saying Cerrone's value side. I agree. Urban Men in New Jersey saying Miller by sub is a gift. What is that line right now? Cerrone Miller 
sorry, Cerrone, Miller's submission plus 250. It's the same as him winning in round one is plus 250. I would rather take round one and cover a possible TKO as well. And yes, I didn't even touch on this. Thank you, Zero Bob, for bringing this up. Cerrone at 170 is better at my, uh, 155. Doesn't have to make the cut again. It was always a hellacious cut for him. 170 definitely benefits him, in my opinion. Urban saying uh, Cowboys too broken. Jim has been looking fresh against young prospects. Who are the young prospects, though, right? Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Yes, he's winning, but what, would Cerrone beat those guys? Possibly. DFS whispers in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. MPTV saying Cowboys for sure mentally checked out. He just made a movie and he drinks during his camp. We'll see. We'll see how he looks. Like this, this fight will truly tell us where he's at. Dan Lopez, he doesn't walk around at 170. Surely he had to cut again. I don't think it's that heavy of a cut, though. And considering he's been in shape this entire time, how much more weight is he putting on since those weight cuts he's had to uh, do with uh, Joe Lozon fights f dropping twice, right? I don't think he ballooned up past 180, 185. I don't think he's gotten that much bigger. So I don't think this cut to 170 will be that will be that bad. Joshua Frick saying Miller has Lyme disease. Yep. That seems to be the narrative every single time he's been fighting over the last couple of years. Um, Daz says uh, most fights award or something to fight for. Come on, Cowboy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's most wins. I think both of them are tied with Andre Olofsky at a certain number. Winner will be standing alone at the top with the most wins in UFC history. Uh, Jim Miller will be fighting for the 40th time. So that's another kind of record that he's adding to there. And I think this will be the 38th fight for uh, Cowboy Cerrone. All right, let's move on to the next fight. I feel like we spent a good chunk of time on that one there for no reason. All right, well, not no reason. It is an interesting fight to break down, a lot of things to take into consideration. But like I said, I do still fall on the underdog here, Donald Cerrone. All right, next fight. Jalen Turner, minus 140, going up against Brad Quake Riddell at plus 120. Another intriguing fight here. Uh, shout out to my Patreon members yesterday or last night. I actually hopped on and, uh, you know, broke down this fight pretty thoroughly, I'd say, um, with those guys for spent maybe three hours on this fight, watching tape with them, um, and, and just breaking this fight down. So initially, I was on the Brad Rudell side. Saw the money starting to come into the Jalen Turner side. Was wondering why, which is why I was leaning the Brad Rudell side because I thought plus 120, plus 130 was going to be a great price tag on him. And then he ran the tape, and it's it's tough to truly come on to the Brad Rudell side um, without being hesitant, right? Like, Jalen Turner still a guy that's putting it all together still. Like, he's still making his improvements. Like, he's not at his final form yet, whereas Riddell might be closer to his final form. And it's definitely going to be a step up in competition for Jalen Turner. Like, this is definitely the toughest opponent he had, would have fought other than the the UFC uh, debut that he had against um, uh, Vicente Luque, which, you know, come on, cut the guy some slack. Like, how are you going to throw Jalen Turner into that fight as his UFC debut? But... Takes it, gets finished. So this is the second tough, toughest fight of his UFC career to date. But I'm loving the progression that we're seeing from him. 
you know, his length, his speed, those are his best attributes. He's doing a good job in learning in terms of how to maintain that distance using his team kick up the middle, using uh, the one-two, the straight crisp one-two down the middle, keeping his opponents uh, on on the edge of that range so they can't really get much off. Whereas Brad Riddell, on the other hand, needs that distance to be closed. He needs to be in the pocket to let his biggest shots go. Sure, he can lunge for it and land a couple of strikes, but I think that Turner is well-versed enough in terms of getting out of the way and nullifying the amount of success a guy like Riddell will need, you know, will have uh, whenever he closes the pocket or closes the distance and lets it go in the pocket. Things get shaky for Turner, though, as fights start to go along. And that's my concern here because I feel like he does step off the gas a little bit. And whether that's to get more cardio, whether that's to stay safer it's tough for me to to be confident in him for 15 minutes should he require 15 minutes in this fight i think that he clips riddell early club and subs him. i think he gets him out of there early here but if he doesn't things are going to get shaky because in every single one of turner's fights you see him as the one on the front foot you see him one pushing the action i think it's his opponents kind of just being by what they're getting uh, and also respecting the power and the speed of Jalen Turner, which is why they accept the back foot almost immediately. And I fully expect Brad Riddell to be accepting the back foot early here. But you'll notice it in the Brock Weaver fight. You'll notice it in the Matt Favola fight that as fights start to go on longer, Turner is not as aggressive as he is when he starts the fight. And luckily enough for him in the Brock Weaver fight, he lands a big shot, which gives him a second win. And then he goes into apeshit mode where he eventually finds the finish. Um, I, 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 I envision him landing cleanly on Riddell early here, hurting him and then choking him out. I think the prop here that's a little bit uh, mispriced is Turner by sub. It's currently sitting at plus 700. Riddell's first ever MMA loss came via submission. I'm sure he shored up his grappling since then but if he's hurt you know i think he he might give up something here and turner can definitely get under the chin grab an arm whatever it may be and he should be able to take that home at plus 700 i think it's worth a little bit of a stab but i do think that turner finishes him earlier i am just too scared should this fight creep into round two creep into round three where dell could get closer and closer with some of the big shots that he likes to throw and he could potentially land on turner the last thing I want to say about this fight is I see a lot of people on the fight doesn't go to decision. And I get it. Like, I am predicting Turner to win inside the distance. I get it. But I could also see this creeping to a decision with Turner just being a little bit too safe, especially once the fight goes later. Maybe he does maintain the distance, but just plays it safe enough where he just pot shots uh, Riddell from the outside. And Riddell, you know, he doesn't really work behind a jab or anything like that. Like it was later in the Fizia fight and later in the Dober fight where he starts putting his jab behind uh, or in front of most of his shots. But a lot of his shots early in fights and in general are just blitzing shots, wide winging hooks from the outside. I think Turner will be able to counter that effectively. His best weapon is his lead right hook when he's in the southpaw position. I could see that landing easily on Riddell. Um, over and over again. The speed and the creativity in which he uses his lead hand is fucking amazing. And I think he'll be able to clip Rodell here and put him out. I just feel uneasy for some reason paying the minus 140 on him. I think he wins. I'm going to take a shot on the uh, the submission prop here. 
But uh, yeah, we'll find out a lot about Jalen Turner here. Toughest opponent since Vicente Luque easily. And we should be able to see how much of an improvement he truly has been making from a fight to fight uh, perspective. And, and yeah, we'll see it here. So I'm going Turner, Turner by submission. Let's see. Sarai likes uh, Jalen Turner. I agree. Filthy Casual thinks this fight is going to be fun. I agree. Danny Lopez saying, I'm thinking turn size will be too much a bad matchup for Riddell. I will say this before I continue to go through the uh, through the, the comments here. Uh, one of my guys, uh, shout out to the African, or uh, yeah, I believe he goes by the African pretty much on all social media platforms. But uh, he sent me a video that Brad Riddell put up on his own YouTube channel talking about how to beat taller fighters. So it's like he's had experience fighting taller fighters on kickboxing scenes and all that stuff, right? Um, so he's done it before. And even Izzy said he fights better against taller opponents. So that might be something to take into consideration here. Maybe he has something up his sleeve that Turner just isn't ready for. I'm hoping Turner saw that video that uh, Riddell made, right? So he's prepared for whatever Riddell might look to, to implement there. But uh, yeah, Riddell's not going to back down here. It's going to be a tough fight for Turner. But I think that Turner gets it done. Uh, Harmon saying Riddell is going to be a very tough test. Fight card is bananas. Jacob Cunningham, seven inch reach advantage. Turner inside the distance. I agree. Urban saying, I'll be honest, I see Brad folding. I love Brad's style, but I think his nerves will get to him. I agree. Danny Lopez saying, I want to say face offs. Yeah, we'll see those tomorrow once the weigh conclude. Harmon's rise saying, Hey, Lock, do you think this fight has a performance of the night potential? I do. It depends on if the uh, if the durability holds up for a lot of these guys, because if it does, I could see this being a, a very fun fight. Good question there. Jared Cunningham, Jacob Cunningham was saying Fizzy was slapping up or down. He has the same reach. Makes sense. Turn it by round three finish. I think it would have happened earlier than anything. Danny Lopez saying Brock Weaver, LOL. Watch that fight back, man. He was really starting to pick up a little bit of momentum before uh, Jalen Turner caught him with that beautiful right hook. But uh, Weaver, you know, very successful with the leg kicks. That's probably what was keeping him in the fight. And then he really started to pressure Jalen, and Jalen was starting to go on his back foot. But it was just a matter of time before Jalen sniped him, and then eventually got him out of there. So, you know, that Brock Weaver fight wasn't as uh, much of a, a walkover for Turner as most people remember, as Weaver was really starting to turn it on a little bit. And again, that just goes further to my concern. Should this fight go later, does Riddell put it on worse than Weaver did? We'll see. Urban saying, I will say this, Brad Riddell is not Jamie Malarkey. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's good odds for Turner View Sub. I like those. I agree. Uh, Daniel Lopez saying he showed it against Dober. Hmm. Uh, MPTV saying Turner is less of a threat than Fiziev. I think Turner is a different type of threat. Like Fiziev, we know what we're getting with him. With Turner, he uses his distance and he uses his creativity so well that I think it could possibly even confuse uh, Riddell in certain spots. MPTV also think Bilber could be way better than Turner as well. I don't know, man. With Turner coming into his own now, I think he's going to start to pull away and people will start to see the... Um, the talent this guy has. Joshua Frick saying, after seeing Turner keep going after his arm was popped out, I can't bet against him. Which fight was that? 
Which one was it that his arm popped out? Uh, Labyrinth saying, I know everyone's on Turner here, but I'm taking the dog shot. I, I don't blame you, man. It is the toughest test for Turner to date, but I still end up on the Turner side. Jared TG, appreciate you stopping by. Zip code saying, sending lots of love your way, brother. Congrats on getting married. Thank you again, my friend. Really appreciate it. J Money saying, uh, more likely to be fight of the night, Rodell Turner or Strickland Pajeda. Probably Strickland Pajeda because of the amount of like hype behind that fight, right? And the circumstances, right? It's pretty much a number one contender fight. Whoever wins that fight, unless Cannonier pulls the upset, I'm sure we'll get an immediate rematch there. But if uh, Adesanya gets it done, he's likely fighting Sean Strickland or Alex Pereira next. All right, let us move on from this fight because we still got plenty more to go. Uh, I believe that is the, yeah, that was the prelim headliner. So I'd like to take this time to remind you guys, hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. Truly appreciate all of the support that you guys show me. If you want to go the extra mile, Patreon is the way to do so. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. We got a great private Discord community in there. Not to mention the best bets and props article that I like to post on a weekly basis. Plus other ton of content coming your way now that i'm finally back in the groove secondly shout out to cool bet as well uh use promo code mma lotn2 they'll match your initial deposit up to 100 up to 200 dollars um yeah if you have access to cool bet i would highly suggest checking them out very cool and intuitive website they got a lot of great tools and analytical tools that you can look back at your betting style and try to improve yourself not to mention a leaderboard as well for all of cool bet to see where you rack up with everybody else in terms of your betting game you can parlay props all that stuff shout out to cool bet use promo code mmalotn2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks all right let's get to the main card I do have a couple of comments here that I'll get to before we. Um, all right, they they aren't pertinent to the fight that I just talked about. So let's get to Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz, minus two ninety on the Sugar Show, plus two forty five on Pedro the Punisher, the Young Punisher, I think his nickname is, but definitely the Punisher, uh, plus two forty five on him. Now we gotta continue to commend the managerial skills of Sean O'Malley plotting his way to the ranked fights now plotting his way within the ranked fights this is the best stylistical matchup that he could have chosen out of the top 15 and a guy with a you know like a, a solid name I get it Pedro Munoz is one in four in his last five fights but it's still a win over Pedro Munoz will do very good things for Sean O'Malley but don't get it twisted even if he goes out there and beats him, there are still big question marks about Sean O'Malley. Just because he beats a ranked opponent here in Pedro Munoz doesn't mean other guys won't give him issues. Like, he's still in a very tough division at 135 pounds. Guys like Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen, these guys will still give him problems. But I like that he's taking his time of getting to the top, not rushing it. I don't know who he's going to face after Pedro Munoz, but this is the perfect stylistic matchup for him to go out there and do what he does. He's the faster fighter. He's a more agile fighter. He can walk, uh, you know, move the cage very well. I think his speed will allow him to stay away from the leg kicks of Munoz because if Munoz does start landing a couple of those, things could get a little bit shaky for O'Malley, which is ultimately why it's keeping me off of parlaying O'Malley at minus 290. And I'm still a little bit iffy in regards to the uh, to the prop that I want to pick for O'Malley as well, right? Plus 160 by knockout is not 
what I would like to see because Pedro Munoz, 26 professional fights, never been knocked out. That's something that can't be overlooked. I'm sure, you know, he's taken a bunch of damage over his last several fights, but I still don't know if O'Malley's going to be the one that finally cracks that chin of Pedro Munoz. O'Malley, he can Chris Moutinho his way to a win here, right? Touch him up from the outside. Don't overcommit on anything. Stay, stay rangy. Stay on the outside. Check the leg kicks. Stay away from the leg kicks, and you should be able to win this fight. He's fighting a slow, plodding, stalkerish fighter in Pedro Munoz. That's how Munoz wins. He just puts the pressure on his opponents, rips the leg a couple times, that slows down his opponent, and then he finally is able to get his shots off to get him to the head. But his technical striking-wise, it's nowhere near what Sean O'Malley is going to put on him, right? Sean O'Malley is not, like, technically the best, but he does so many things technically right, right? Down the middle, straight shots down the middle, creative, you know, feints to set up other shots and set traps. I feel like he can clip Munoz in a lot of those situations. I just don't know if he'll have the power to put him out. So I was leaning the O'Malley by decision. Let me get that line again real quick here. Uh, O'Malley by decision is plus 150. Again, not too far off from O'Malley by KO, which is uh, plus 160. But I've seen a couple people on the over two and a half. Fight goes to decision, minus one twenty five and plus one hundred five respectively. I don't hate it. I really don't hate it. But if Pedro starts lining those leg kicks early, I might have to throw a live bet on him, especially if he's uh, still plus money. Whenever I can pull the trigger on him. So, yeah. O'Malley, O'Malley decision, but I'm not super confident in it. Um, sorry, Nick, Nick Simpkins with a quick question about the last fight that we talked about, Riddell and Turner. If he wins, do you think it's by KO? I think a good chunk of it is by KO, but he can still do enough work in rounds two and three, in my opinion, to probably win it by decision. So uh, like a double chance on him, KO slash submission, sorry, KO slash decision is probably the best way to go about it, as those are two ways I think he could end up winning. MPTV saying Sean's legs will always be questionable for me again. And he's finding like the, you know, one of the better leg kickers here. I just think he's, I think Pedro is just too slow to implement it effectively though. Frick saying, uh, I don't know how O'Malley makes 135 unless he has hits or something crazy. Yeah. He's lanky, man. He is definitely lanky. Uh, Urban saying, I think Sugar Munoz definitely goes a decision plus 100 fair money. I like it. Jewish better saying Kelly had never been KO'd either. Good point. Good point. But Kelly, I don't know. That's a good point. You know what? I'm not going to say anything about that. That is a damn good point. Uh, Cunningham over one and a half here. Not bad. I like over one and a half. What is that line? I know that's an alternate line. Uh, over one and a half minus 190. Not bad. Not bad. Filthy saying I'll perfectly... I'll be perfectly happy if O'Malley wins, but I'm excited to get some action on Munoz at this number. I don't mind that. MMA code saying, I'm betting the house on Munoz. O'Malley is one of those fighters who just can't be the nail. Interesting. He might have a point, man. Munoz is not going to go away easily. So, uh, Jared TG saying, I'm a little bit nervous about something crazy happening with O'Malley. A nerve in his leg, his ankle snapping. It's always something. I'm seeing the same thing you are. O'Malley should win, but damn. MPTV saying, I low-key like Pedro as a half-unit head. Shine the dog. I don't mind it. 
Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on that, my friend. Munoz round three plus two thousand. Wow, ballsy. Juice better saying anyone taking Munoz should just be chasing would just be chasing odds. I wouldn't say that. Jared saying Pedro plus seven fifty for KO is great if you are on the Pedro side. Not bad, especially if he gets to those legs early. MPTV saying what if Munoz gets O'Malley on his back? Munoz is a solid jiu-jitsu player, though. I don't think that's going to matter at all. I don't think O'Malley threatens Munoz from BJJ, honestly. Jim Bean saying betting O'Malley, but going to be hoping for Munoz to catch Sean. O'Malley's getting to that realm now where people are wanting to see him lose, right? He's getting that, uh, that Money Mayweather vibe about him right now where people would love to see him lose. Interesting. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Another banger on the main card. Maybe not rankings-wise or title contention-wise, but it's hard to see how this fight is not a fun fucking fight. We got Robbie Lawler, minus 120. Brian Barbarena, plus 100. Great fight here between two guys that, you know, I, I know Barbarena is on a two-fight winning streak, but guys that are in need of a quality win, right? I'm not expecting Barbarena to be um fighting for a title you know i know he's like 34 33 or something right now i'm not expecting lawler to be fighting for a title he's 40 years old right but still you know a win over nick diaz in 2021 is not that big of a deal for barbarina a win over matt brown in 2022 not that big of a deal either I think Lawler has a lot more to lose in this fight than Barbarina because if he loses to Barbarina, he loses to Barbarina. But if he wins, it's a win over Bar Barbarina. Whereas Barbarina wins, you know, you get you add Robbie Lawler to your belt now, essentially. And if he loses, he loses to Robbie fucking Lawler. Now, I was talking about this on Narco Cop Spaces earlier today about how this is, stylistically speaking, one of the better fights for Robbie Lawler over his last several fights, right? Let's not even count the Nick Diaz fight. That was a novelty fight. Let's not even bring that into conversation. If that showed us anything, it showed us that Robbie Lawler can still go out there and strike, still land good shots, still throwing combinations. That's where it showed us. But the Neil Magny fight, you know, outgrinded. Neil Magny is one of the best guys to go out there and outgrind you as long as you don't have a significant grappling advantage over him. He got four takedowns in that fight. He was nonstop working against Robbie Lawler, wins that fight relatively easily. And uh, Robbie Lawler was a plus 215 underdog that night. Fight before that, Kobe Covington takes him down 10 times, outstrikes him by 100 significant strikes. Excuse me. Bad matchup. Ben Askren. Askren doesn't land a single significant strike and still wins that fight by Bulldog Choke. Controversy around it. Robbie Lawler almost finishes him, but from a stylistic perspective, still a tough out for him because of Ben Askren's wrestling background. Before that, Rafael Dos Anjos, main event slot, five-round main event. He's the It's an even-money fight. Dos Anjos puts him through the ringer there, outworks him, outgrinds him. Then the Donald Cerrone fight. That's a stylistic, solid matchup for him stylistically speaking. Minus 150 favorite in that fight. So it's been nearly five years since we've seen Robbie Lawler have a solid matchup for him, stylistically speaking. Again, I'm chalking up the Nick Diaz fight to being a novelty fight. Brian Barbarino is not going to look to go out there and grapple fuck him. 
he's not going to look to go out there and just push him up against the cage and make it a grindy fight. He's going to be willing to throw down with Robbie Lawler. The only thing that scares me about Robbie is the fact that he's 40 years old. He just turned 40 in March. But if this is going to be a kickboxing fight, I could see Robbie Lawler getting the better of Brian Barbarino in most of these spots. The fact that he's 40 years old is the only thing that's scaring me off of it. Um, the last thing to normally go is power. I think there is an opportunity for Robbie Lawler to eventually find a knockout blow here against Barbarino. If he lands a clean enough shot, we've seen Barbarino get dropped in numerous fights now over his last uh, several fights. Let me get the actual statistics here in terms of how many fights he's been dropped in. Uh, got dropped by Jason Witt, got dropped by Randy Brown, dropped by Vicente Luque. And that was, you know, three out of his last six fights. Matt Brown, not much of a knockout puncher nowadays. Darren Weeks, not a crazy knockout puncher. Anthony Ivey, jiu-jitsu guy. And then everybody else has knocked him down. Jason Witt, again, big power, mainly a wrestler. So I'm leaning Robbie Lawler here. Again, the only thing scaring me off is uh, is the uh, 40-year-old number beside Lawler in terms of the age criteria. But I think that Lawler wins. I think Lawler outstrikes him, possibly knocks him out, but I'm going to go Lawler here. I really want to bet him, but I would feel much more comfortable betting him as an underdog than a slight favorite. But even at minus 120, it's not that bad of a line. But I might just have to sit back, throw him in a couple lottery ticket parlays, but not have an official play on him. But I'm going to go Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler by decision officially, not counting out a knockout. Urban Men in New Jersey saying, if I'm being honest, Robbie and Nick both look like some old geezers in that fight compared to the younger division. I agree. Uh, MPTV saying younger fighters win 65% of the time in the UFC. Therefore, I pick Brian Barberina. I'm hoping that this is a bit of an anomaly. <laughs> uh, Urban saying, if uh, Barberina comes 100%, he could really pick apart uh, Robbie. I don't know, man. I think he's going to be eating some uh, big shots from Robbie in return. PMN saying no couches marathon. Marathon. Not sure exactly what you mean there, but okay. Bilal's beak. Get him, Alex. Uh, Christopher Schweigmeyer saying MPTV. I seen that style last week in Austin. I found it very interesting. Nicholas Lee dropping a DGen parlay for us. Drop it for me at the end of the podcast, and I'll be happy to talk about it. I just want to get to these fights one by one so far. Um. Tristan saying Lawler's scared to throw nowadays. But again, look at those last matchups that he had, right? Of course, he's going to be scared to throw against guys that are actively looking to take him down and grind him out. Barbarina is going to be there and exchanging in the pocket. So I think we'll see him pull the trigger a little bit more. West Coast saying Lawler wins by KO. I could see that. Urban saying Barbarina did lose to win, and that was fucking disgusting. But besides that, he has a serious challenge. I agree. Tristan saying maybe I'm misreading his value, his volume. Again, it's it's all matchups. And those couple last couple matchups for Lawler have not been favorable. We know his weakness has always been the grappling. When he won the title, his grappling defense was great, but it's definitely starting to fall off, right? Like during those Johnny Hendricks fights way back in the day, it looked on point. The Rory McDonald fight looked on point back then. But at 40 years old in 2022, it's not as good. I think, luckily for him, he's not going to have to worry about that too much here against Brian Barbarino. 
All right, let us move on to the next fight here. Last three fights of the night. First of which, Alex Pereira, minus 105, minus 115 on Sean Strickland. Interesting fight here. Number one middleweight contender fight. We're seeing money come in on Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland up to about minus 120 on certain spots. I'm seeing minus 125 on other spots. Alex Pereira around plus 100, plus 105. This is one of those fights where I was kind of waiting for the the line movement to do its job, and I feel like it's doing it here. So I am leaning the Alex Pereira side, and this is coming from a guy that picked Bruno Silva to beat him in the last fight. And I felt as though he showed me enough in the Bruno Silva fight with his defensive grappling to lead me to believe that Sean Strickland won't have the most grappling success against Pereira here. The things that I liked that I saw from Pereira was no settling on the mat. When he gets taken down, right up. Works to the cage, gets right back to his feet, makes it very difficult for his opponents to, uh, to, to get hold of him. And Sean Strickland... You know, not an active chain wrestler, not a guy that's going to go out there and grapple fuck you. Sure, he landed a couple uh, takedowns on Uriah Hall. But I think we're going to see more urgency here from Pereira to get back to his feet and nullify any type of grappling that Strickland wants to throw on him here. Now, if we're talking about a strictly kickboxing fight, you know, Strickland will likely have the numbers on him here, probably outvolume him. But what Pereira showed in his last fight against Bruno Silva was that Whenever he lands, he lands with emphasis. He lands with impact. And that's what sways the judges. That's what causes them to score rounds for him. And I don't even think we're going to need the judges here. I don't think the striking defense that Sean Strickland uses is going to work in this fight against Pereira. I think Pereira will continue to sting him from the outside. This, you know, rolling out of the way of shots is not going to work against Pereira. It's going to work against the Jack Hermansons, the, you know, the Uriah Halls, the Jack Marshmans, guys that need to be in the pocket to dish out the most damage. Whereas Pereira, you know, he's going to throw his one shots, one, two down the middle. Strickland's going to roll. And my guy Narco Cop brought up a good point on his discussions here. What if he goes up high with a head kick while Strickland's rolling to get out of the way of one of those shots, doesn't see the head kick coming, gets knocked out? Absolutely a possibility. I'm leaning Pereira here, man. He sold me in that Bruno Silva fight. He showed me what I needed to. And yes, Sean Strickland is a black belt, if I'm not mistaken. At worst, a brown belt. So he'd be stupid not to look to get to this into the grappling. But based on what I've been seeing as of late from Sean Strickland, doesn't seem to be a part of his game that he really wants to tap into too much. Like I said, we saw in the Uriah Hall fight, we start to see it in rounds four, round five, right? We start to see it deeper in the fight. But this is only 15 minutes. This is only three rounds. I think Pereira will have a good enough gas tank to stuff those takedowns, to get back to his feet, to get back into range, and get back to his handiwork with his one-twos, with his striking, with his power. And I think eventually he'll put out Sean Strickland here. So I will likely have a bet on Pereira. I will continue to monitor the line. Maybe we get plus 110, plus 120. Who knows how much more love on Sean Strickland is going to come in. Maybe the uh, the the press conference is why Sean Strickland is taking some money now. He seems very cocky, seems very confident. But I think he has a stiff test against Alex Pereira across the cage from him here. And I think Pereira comes out victorious. And I think he ends up fighting Israel Adesanya next for the title. So I'm going to go Alex Pereira 
I think he knocks out Sean Strickland eventually here and takes home a performance bonus. Uh, Tristan Sherhouse saying, anybody thinking Strickland going to run, turn Russian here and grapple? Fuck, he will look to grapple eventually. You would be an absolute idiot if he doesn't. And I'll say this, by the way, I, I didn't get to release the coach's main event marathon this week. Uh, I'm going to release a small video of it tomorrow, but uh, I wasn't able to line up the coaches this week to to record. We will be back to normal for 277 at the end of July. But uh, Eric Nixick, his coach, is picking him as his, his pick here. I don't know if it's because he's his coach. Uh, seems to have some solid confidence on him. And he is in first place in the competition right now. So interested to see what kind of game plan they've they've devised and how effectively he'll be able to put it in or get it going. Employ it, I should say. Urban Men in New Jersey saying Alex by TKO just makes sense stylistically. Sean is a pretty basic fighter. He just has a hard head. I agree. He's I wouldn't call him super basic. Like his his striking style is very effective. He just drowns you in volume. It's very effective against certain guys, but I just don't know if uh see so yeah west west coast thing strickland's pressure i think he's going to be eating counters here pretty much i don't think the jab is gonna you know deter alex Pereira from throwing strikes here john Gotti saying strickland gonna grind him against the cage and drag him to the ground he's been working at att with johnny evelyn and that's exactly what he's gonna do he's hungry to get the touch has he been at ATT. I know he spent like a little bit of time there. I don't think he's been there for like his full camp. There's a difference. <laughs> spending a full camp and you know, spending a week or two there. I don't think it's gonna make that big of a difference. But we'll see. Uh West Coast saying Strickland by decision. John Gary says Strickland round one sub. Uh Petra saying Strickland destroyed Izzy at the press conference. I'll come get this guy. <laughs> Uh, Zero Bob saying Strickland decision. I'm seeing nothing but Strickland love, honestly, even before as well. Urban Men saying, did you notice Sean dick riding Alex in the press conference? Maybe he's scared of him. Who knows? Drew Sparrow saying, shit, no one thought Francis would wrestle for God. True. It's it's one thing to... You see, we didn't expect it because we didn't see too much of it. We've seen Sean grappling a little bit. And to be honest, I think it's something that Pereira will be ready for. I don't think it's anything smothering enough that it will cause Pereira issue in terms of getting back to his feet. Nathan's saying this is either Strickland being viciously KO'd by Pereira, not being able to execute a game plan, and Strickland sneaking that decision, or Pereira not being able to execute a game plan and Strickland sneaking a decision, possibly. MMA code saying F. Allen hurt him, Alex with KO. I like it. Tap saying Alex is going to murder Strickland. Nathan saying this is Pereira's first test, though. It is his first test. I, you know what? No, I disagree. I think the Bruno Silva fight was a test, and he passed it. Silva's a solid fighter, and he tried the grappling rope, and it didn't work out. And I don't think that Sean Strickland is this crazy grappler that's going to put on a different level of grappling that Pereira hasn't already been getting ready for with Glover Teixeira for a couple of years now. Of course, they're going to be working his takedown defense. Of course, they're going to be working the get-ups. Gotta believe he's ready for whatever Sean throws at him there. Monk Maddox in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Joshua Frickson. Kind of depends on if Alex watches cartoons, according to the presser. 
hot handsing. Strickland doesn't have the power to KO Alex or size to hold Alex down. Good point. John Gotti saying Bruno Silva doesn't have wrestling. Again, he had enough to show me that Pereira has been working on his get-ups. I don't think Strickland has that type of wrestling either. Joe Spender, that's true. Sean would have to mix it up well. I think you may be onto something here. I'm back and forth on this one. But Strickland going to win. We shall see. All right. Let us move on to the next fight. Let's get to the co-main event. Featherweight strap on the line. I believe this is now going to be the fourth title defense for Alexander Volkanovsky. Obviously, he won the title off of Max. Defends it against him. Beats Brian Ortega. Beats Chan Sung Jung. And now he's back at Max Holloway. Minus 195 for the champion. Plus 165 for Max Holloway. Holloway was the minus 200 favorite in their first fight. Uh, now Volkanovski was the minus 200 in their second fight. Close to minus 200 once again here in the third fight. But if we've known anything or learned anything from the first two fights is that it's a close fucking fight. <laughs> you know what I mean, it shouldn't be minus 200, even if Volkanovski is already up to nothing against Holloway. Even if Holloway went out there and just absolutely demolished the Korean zombie in his last fight. And Holloway had a closer fight against Yair Rodriguez. There's levels, right? As the infamous Corey Anderson says, there's levels to this shit for anybody that remembers that meme. I got to have that shit queued for any time I want to talk about levels. But we saw Volkanovski way higher level than Green Zombie. Yair Rodriguez closer level to uh, Max Holloway. But I still think this turns out as a, a Volkanovski fight. He is a master at implementing a game plan. The biggest moments out of the 50 minutes that they've already spent together is Max Holloway dropping him in rounds one and two, but he was not able to recreate that in the third, fourth, or fifth round. We have to credit that to Volkanovski's championship medal of being able to adjust on the fly, being able to adjust going deeper in fights. If things aren't going your way early, don't give up. Figure out what you're doing wrong. Make the changes. That's exactly what he did in the second fight against Holloway. That's why he won round three. Say what you want. Very close round. Could have gone either way. I'm not mad at that. But he easily took rounds four and five. I don't feel good about paying minus 200 on Volkanovski here in a fight that's going to be very close. If there's anything that the last two main events have shown us is even if you think the guy's going to win, probably not worth putting minus 230 down on Cater. Probably not putting down minus 260 on Sarukid in fights that we knew were going to play out close because in the long term, paying the plus 200 is going to pay off for you, especially if you can if you can recognize it and point it out more often than not. So I can completely understand why people are taking the shot on Max Holloway here. This is that spot, right, where if they fight 100 times, the fight's been close the first two times. Maybe this is Max Holloway's time to finally get it done. But what I'm going to actually be looking to do is playing this fight uh, with uh, Volkanovski to win via decision. Plus 105. I'd rather take a shot on that and lose on that than lose more units on playing Volkanovski at minus 200. Right? I would put two units to win one unit on Volkanovski money line, where I could rather just pay one unit and win 1.05 units on Volkanovski just by decision. Because if I lose on the money line, I lose two units. If I lose on the prop, I lose one unit. 
So it's kind of mitigating the losses as best as possible, playing the odds as best as possible. Uh, so, yeah, the action I'm going to go with here, Volkanovski via decision. I think he outworks and outpoints Holloway once again. I don't think what we saw from the Korean zombie fight should be brought into this fight, like his knack for going out there and looking for finishes. I think he's always been that guy. But Max Holloway and how he matches up with Volkanovski makes it very difficult for Volkanovski to find those openings to actually get a finish. I'd be surprised if he finishes Holloway here. So I think we get another 25 minutes of close fights, uh, close fighting, maybe a uh, round here for Holloway, round there for Holloway or for Volkanovski. But I think at the end of the day, Volkanovski will, will win at least three of those rounds and take home a decision victory. Last thing I'll say about this fight, and then I'll get into the uh, the comments section here. Oh, I think I it, it just escaped me. <laughs> um, oh yeah, uh, the the whole narrative that Max Holloway gets stronger as fights go on. Yes, it was true when he's fighting guys with cardio issues, right? He gets stronger as fights go on against those guys. But Yair Rodriguez unanimously won five, round five on all judges' scorecards. Volkanovski. Let me put it out here. Like, if we just judged their last two fights just on the last three rounds alone, uh, in the first fight, the last three rounds, Volkanovski won via split decision 29-28, 30-27, and 28-29. But then in the second fight, won unanimously 30-27 times 2 and 29-28. So I don't think we need to feed into this narrative that Holloway gets stronger in fights the longer that they go when he is specifically fighting Alexander Volkanovsky. All right. So I'm going to go Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky by decision will likely be my bet. Staying away from the money line. I think this goes 25, but I think that uh, Volkanovsky further cements his status as the featherweight goat. Again, can't really say that yet. This will be his fourth title defense. I think Jose Aldo had eight. Max Holloway talked about it earlier this week during the uh, media, media scrums as well. You got to beat that record first before you can be seen as the greatest. And Volkanovski, if he ends up having three wins over Max Holloway, he has a win over Josie Aldo. You'll never be able to get the win over Conor McGregor because he's never going to come back down to 145 pounds. But Volkanovski will likely go down as the best, most efficient 145-pound champion of all time. All right, let's see what the comment section says. Uh, Nathan saying Max was very fired up at the press conference. I, I get it. I don't like to take those things into consideration when capping a fight. Like there's been so many times where we've seen guys just gassed up, ready to go, fired up. From a fan's perspective, yes, it gets you gassed up. Yes, it makes you more confident in your fighter that they look ready to go. Brian Ortega looked fired up and ready to go. <laughs> you know I mean, Max Holloway looked fired up the second time, ready to go. I try not to take too much of that into consideration. MPTV saying Alex won the second fight more decisively last time. I know I know the narrative says otherwise. Volk will make his wake this win even more decisive than the previous ones. I yes, maybe more decisively. I think the only reason people are giving him shit for that last fight is that he dropped. Uh, he got well. Technically, he didn't get knocked down, but he did get wobbled in the first two rounds there. But he did start to pull away the later that the fight went. Urban saying Max has had better comp better competitors in his last two fights compared to Volk, but I still see Volk continuously evolving. I'm just going to enjoy this, but I'm feeling 
Max for this. Interesting. Hot hands. Max looks sucked out in his face more than usual. He's cutting a lot of weight. It looks like it's going to be really tough for him. Uh, it, 145 has always been a tough weight cut for him. But he's never really let it show in his performances, right? Hasn't been knocked out. Cardio always looks on point. So, Jared TG saying, what's the split decision prop? <laughs> I don't want to get into that. As long as my guy wins by decision, that's all that matters to me. Mike Imperial saying, if they fought 100 times, I feel 90 of them would go to decision. I agree. Nathan P. Nathan saying, uh, Max has some value, though. You can't say double money on Max Holloway in any scenario. Isn't value evoke or not? I agree. Value money line-wise is on Holloway, without a doubt, which is why I would rather just play the uh, prop there. Hot hand says that's Clint. Uh, Urban saying, yo, Locke, what about my earlier question? You think fight not to be won by unanimous decision, a good prop, finish or split decision valid? What are the odds on that? If you can pull those odds out for me, I'll let you know my perspective on it, my friend. Nathan saying, Vogue's probably taking it, but Max is still coming for the strap either way. You got to get to Volkanovski to get the strap, and I don't think that's going to happen. Nicholas thinks uh, Max gets it on the cards. Mike says probably this fight goes to decision and I fight goes to decision. Not a bad look. I don't mind that. Taps got uh, Volk by KO this time. Interesting. Jared saying Max doesn't get stronger in round five. He just doesn't get weaker and his opponents usually do. Yeah, not Volk though. Yep. Nathan saying Max needs the KO. If Volk wins, he's going for the lightweight strap. It's going to be hard to uh, to turn him away, right? Like, who else is there? Let me just quickly pull up the UFC rankings as my guy Urban Men of New Jersey reminds me of what the, the odds are for that prop that he just suggested to me. But uh, Featherweight, Holloway number one, Ortega number two, Yair just lost number three, Josh Emmett, he's there, American version of Volkanovsky, poor man's American version of Alexander Volkanovsky is Josh Emmett. I guess Josh Emmett is next in line, right? Yair is fighting Ortega. Maybe if Yair wins that one, it'll be between Yair and Emmett deciding on who uh, Volkanovski fights next. Ivloev is making his way up the rankings. He's he's not too far behind. He still needs a couple of big wins. Bryce Mitchell's there. Uh, yeah, those are mainly the guys. Ilya Taporia, but I think he's up at 155 now, if I'm not mistaken. The, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most eventually is going to be Evloev against Volkanovski, but I hope it doesn't happen too late and Volkanovski starts slowing down. But by the looks of it, it doesn't look like Volkanovski is slowing down at all. Evloev will likely be Volk Volkanovski's next toughest test. That would be some shit. Uh, let's see. Yes, Joshua Frick reminding people that uh, my bookie does have a, a glitch of some sort. Max to win by KO. Pretty much max inside the distance is plus 5,500. MPTV saying Volk is going to get a knockdown, five takedowns, and a sub 10. Patrick. <laughs> Danny saying if Mac wins, do you guys think there's a part four? He's going to have to go out there and just pummel on more guys that are trying to knock on that doorstep. Maybe if he beats a guy like Yves Luev. Maybe if he beats Bryce Mitchell, he's going to have to get two or three more solid wins, convincing wins, to be able to get another crack at uh, Volkanovski. Effie thinks uh, Volk will finish this time. Zero saying, I like Max as the dog. I agree. Uh, Urban saying a plus 100 on DK. So for this fight to not be won by unanimous decision, 
I would need a better one than that, man. It could be a split, but I could see this being unanimous. I, the, the, for me personally, I, I don't like those odds. I can see Volkanovski winning this uh, unanimous. MPTV saying Ilya is going to whoop all of the one day. I disagree. I think Volkanovski styles on Tapuria, honestly. Arnold Allen might get it if Josh can't heal in time. Good God. What would be Volkanovski there against Arnold Allen? Minus 800? <laughs> like, I would pay up to minus 400 straight up on Volkanovski if he gets that Arnold Allen fight. Yeah, he's just not active enough. All right. Let us move on to the main event here. I want to take this time to remind the 110 live viewers, if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that like. Show your boy a little bit of support by just dropping the like there. We got 47 likes now and 110 of you guys watching. We got to get 100 likes in here, no? Is that too much to ask? Just hit that like button? No? Love you guys, regardless. <laughs> All right. Main event time. Middleweight strap on the line. We got Israel Adesanya coming in at minus 450, plus 360, the return on Jared, the killer gorilla, cannoneer. Talk about a great stylistic matchup for Israel Adesanya. What does Jared Cannoneer do well that is going to give Adesanya issues? Knockout power? Okay. Everybody has that in their back pocket. But Cannoneer, I'll give it to him. He does have more knockout power than most guys as well. So that's something that Adesanya is going to have to worry about. But Paulo Costa, in my opinion, more knockout power than Jared Cannoneer. We saw how Adesanya disposed of him. Maybe he goes back to that, right? What if Adesanya goes back to the calf kick? Starts chopping away the tree at the root and then start going upstairs afterwards. That could be a way he wins this fight. But I really think that uh, Adesanya will touch him up. This is going to be a technical showcase, in my opinion, for Adesanya. Cannoneer's only getting this shot because there's really nobody else in the middleweight division for Adesanya to fight, right? Cannoneer just beat a guy that was on a big streak. Adesanya even called out Cannoneer before the Robert Whitaker fight, but Cannoneer fumbled the bag, ended up losing against Whitaker. Whitaker eventually gets another shot. I'm just looking forward to Adesanya Pereira. I think that's got to be next, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of reasons to to back Jared Cannonier. I just can't come up with much. He's not a proactive grappler. Doesn't have crazy off-the-charts cardio. He has cardio to go five rounds, but it's nothing crazy that's going to give Adesanya too many issues. If he looks to attack the calf kick, I just don't see it being as effective as if Adesanya was attacking it. I think Adesanya is the faster of the two as well. I think Adesanya wins. No, no real resistance here, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know how much further I can really break down this fight. I, I Kananir probably passed his prime. Great stylistic matchup last time or against Derek Brunson so that he can earn this title fight. But a lot of his win equity is on him getting the finish. And I'd be surprised if he catches Adesanya cleanly enough with anything to uh, get the finish. So, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this fight. It's It seems pretty black and white to me. There's a reason he's minus 450. I completely agree. Maybe minus 500. Maybe minus 600. Shit. 
but I think he cruises wins this fight. I think he wins it by decision. There is possibilities that he can win this fight late. Decision is plus 125. Inside the distance, I think, is minus money. Let me just quickly confirm that. Uh, Adesanya by KO is plus 160. Adesanya inside the distance is plus 145. I lean more so with the decision than finish. But if you have access to round four or five decision, I don't think that's a bad uh, bad look either. Uh, Adesanya wins in final or decision is plus 115. But if you can add rounds four and five to that, that wouldn't be a bad look. I think you can get that on FanDuel, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm going to Adesanya, Adesanya by decision. All right, let's see what the, the, the comment section says here. Maybe you guys can actually uh, get me to talk about this fight a little bit more with some of the questions that you guys have. Vulcan Ardich saying, uh, Jared will come strong with the upset. Interested to see how you think that will happen. Dirty Reg 22, having strong will and great self-belief is how Cannoneer is going to win this fight. Urban saying, Jared doesn't seem motivated. Mr. D said, dislike unsub. I kid my brother. Let's go hit the like. Appreciate that. You know what? Since I gave you guys that call to action, let's see how much we got that up. Look at that. 58, 59. So we got a solid like 10 to 12 likes after I pushed you guys to do so. I appreciate it. Andrew Barchenko, late to the party. Don't worry. You guys, you can watch this on the replay as well. Effie thinks Jared is 20. Uh, Jared is 38. This is only shot. Dizzy Milladin or go all out early. Probably goes all out. I just don't see how he wins a convincing decision here. Dirty Reg saying Cannon got more KO power to me than Costa. True that Costa might have shown in more, though, but just how the fights have played out for both of them. MPTV saying, how about this MMA math? Jared beat Gaslam easier than Izzy, therefore Izzy Jared. <laughs> I see it. Yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy fight between Izzy and Gaslam. Kvot MMA saying, what's the line on Pereira versus Adesanya? I would assume Adesanya is the favorite. Let's see if they have early odds on that. No early odds on that as of yet. Effie uh, saying took Izzy via KO. Urban saying I can see Izzy winning a decision, but if he KOs Jared, I can see him catching with a head kick. I agree. Joshua Frick saying, imagine the fight build up if Strickland wins. So much to talk would be amazing to sit back and watch the war of words. I agree. No matter who Izzy fights next, I think it's going to be more interesting than this Cannoneer fight, if I'm being honest. Dave Reg saying, after Cannon pulls it off, you'll be quiet about it like other captors on YouTube. Okay, sorry, Jesus. God. <laughs> I'm not saying to go out there and fucking throw Adesanya into every single parlay. Good God, Dirty Reg. Ugh. <laughs> uh. We do this every week, my friend. Every week. Kavad saying if Pereira is more than a plus one hundred dog, I'm gonna have to drop the hammer on that one. I wouldn't drop a hammer, but I would put some money on it. I agree. Frick said Izzy also said he wants to get the sub. We shall see how that pans out. Nathan saying you all almost had Izzy in round two. I feel like Jared is gonna spark him up, then back off. Possibly. It could happen, man. This is MMA. We're talking about guys with big knockout power. Absolutely possible, but it's hard to bank on standing KOs that often. Shout out to my guy, AJ Sholo, who's just not around anymore. Um, but the guy was in the space for a while. Um, but he he really, you know, 
put something in my head and that's people put too much stock into the standing KO. It's a lot harder to do than guys that have a grappling advantage who can get the KO on the ground, but on the feet, it's a little bit harder to find that target more often than not. Um, Dr. Smith X saying, saw you at a Ve- saw you at Vegas casino for a week of Jared versus Kevin Hall. <laughs> like I, you mean how small am I? <laughs> I did not get blessed with the vertical genetics that most people have. I'm a closer to five, 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 six, not too tall of a guy. I'm taller than my parents. So just I want that at least, if you want to say it. Why didn't you come say what up? You know, I mean, I don't mind saying what up to people. Uh if they recognize me or anything like that. Mr. D said, lock, have a victory stream if Jared wins for Dirty Reg. Exactly. I'll bring my guy Dirty on as well. <laughs> uh, MPV saying, Izzy by sub. Uh, Kvot saying, if you play the narrative game, Izzy's going to take more risks to fight to chase the finish. We'll see. Dr. Smith says, love the picks, but I just know you have never been with a real hot chick with that height, which is depressing. <laughs> oh, I've had my fair share in college. Don't worry about that. <laughs> See, with when you got height going against you, you got to be very good with your words. I was very good with my words with the women. Just put it that way. <laughs> Danny Reg saying, D, to be honest, I'm not counting Izzy all the way out. He's not unstoppable with me at all. MPD saying, much love. Have a good evening. Um, Kavad saying, still won't get me to put a cent on Cannoneer. I get that. Uh, Urban Men in New Jersey saying, do you plan on doing any media scrubs for a UFC event in the future? I don't intend on being on that side of the sport. I just want to sit here, do my breakdowns, take opportunities that I get, but I don't want to be an interviewer. That's not my, that's not my, you know. Dr. Smith saying, I'm 6'6", pushing 250 of pure muscle. If I walked up to you, it'd be shit and bricks. Well, as long as you didn't come up to me and try to beat the shit out of me, you could just say, what up? (laughs) Where's the pup? The pup is sleeping with the wife right now. Johnny McCurman saying, uh, Turner of the Riddell line stings, feel the Riddell wins with decision. We shall see. All right, that's pretty much a wrap on the breakdowns. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Um, You know, I'm seeing the numbers on the live view go down now because I'm done the breakdowns. But uh, no, truly appreciate all you guys. Again, Lock the Night, Dog of the Night Challenge, Lock the Night Extreme Challenge, all restarting this weekend. Hit me up in my DMs, Instagram, or on Twitter if you guys want to sign up for that. I'll get to you guys as soon as you can or as soon as I can to get you guys signed up for that. Hoping to hit 60, 70, 80 people in those contests, but we're getting up there in numbers, trying to surpass the last numbers. So please do hit me up if you guys are interested in that. Um. Ah. So we got a troll in here. That's what it was. Oh, I just want to be friendly. I just want to be friendly with people. <laughs> Why is everybody such a dickhead? <laughs> Not everybody. We get we have the dickheads that come in and out every now and then. Uh all right. Uh, Boob saying, what are your locks? I don't know if I'm going to have a lock than I play for this card. Honestly, I, I feel a little bit sketchy. I feel a lot more value will come through. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of live underdogs that I'll likely take my take a shot on here. 
But that's really about it. Yeah, no locks for me this week. Uh, no totals. Uh, par- totals parlay will drop on the Fight Day live chat. Uh, that'll be on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned for that. Dirty Reg saying he was a bit meaner than me. I just fade your picks most of the time. Good for you. <laughs> I appreciate I can give you some content. I see that you are subscribed to me. So that's great. Whether you're fading or tailing my picks, it's totally up to you guys. Boop saying, I feel like Jessica Rose Clark is a lock. But then again, how many times has Women in MMA failed us? Yeah, she's going to get on board. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. I will be back tomorrow for the ultimate weigh-in show. I got a great guest lined up for me. I think uh, I think he's confirmed. Uh, he As of right now, he's chilling in Hawaii, but he will be joining us. He is a return guest. Uh, yeah, so it will be at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Return guest coming on. You guys loved him, and I'm sure you guys will love him again when he joins me tomorrow. So I'll announce it on Twitter tomorrow once I 100% confirm, but he should be on for 2 p.m. tomorrow. I will see you guys then. Sorry, uh, no PFL stuff for me. I'm not even bothering with PFO after last week's shit show. <laughs> All right, see you guys tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, Ultimate Wayne Show. Let's fucking go.